welcome to Game Sense. I'm your host, Michael Alvaro, and in today's episode, we'll take a look at the AFLW Draft Combine invite list, which dropped this week, as well as the Under-17 Futures match. We'll take a look at the Coats Talent League final series fixtures, discuss the opening round of AFL women's action, and we'll also have interviews with Vic Metro MVP Callie Kavanagh and Gold Coast's Mira Gervin. As always, I'm joined by Rookie Me Central Chief Editor Peter Williams. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, plenty to get through, so looking forward to chatting all things, uh, I guess, draft pathways for the women. Absolutely, we do have plenty to get through, so we're going to skip straight onto the AFLW draft combine list. I'll read out the dates for each state. Obviously, it's a bit different to the boys where it is state-based. 83 players overall competing in New South Wales on September 25. That's a Monday. Uh, Sunday, October 8 is in Victoria, as is Queensland, with the date, or sorry, the venue to be confirmed, so... A bit of a suspicion where that might end up. Northern Territory on Friday, October 13 or Saturday the 14th. South Australia is on the 14th of October and Western Australia is on the 15th. So exciting times ahead of the 83 players. Pete, were there any surprise packets? Yeah, there were a few players uh, that caught my eye on the list, uh, particularly uh, just purely because maybe they've come from other sports or haven't been able to play at champs or have been playing state league, that kind of thing. Um the four that I've sort of identified that were outside that champs bracket, um, Lulu Hung was one out of Aspley. She's come through the junior pathway, hasn't been able to play a heap of footy but um, of late, but she's someone who showed a bit of talent last year, so she's been included on uh, the invite list. Also from Queensland is Tashinta Kendall, who um, has come from another sport background, so she's someone who's got that athletic uh, capacity, so obviously they like what they see there, and no doubt when it comes to testing, she's going to be one that'll... Um, be among the best testers, one would think. Uh, and then you've got Annabelle Kievit and Cassie McWilliam, both out of uh, Northern Territory. Kievit uh, was a pretty, I guess, top-end talent from a Northern Territory perspective. She was probably arguably one of the best um, for this age group growing up and then uh, hasn't had as much exposure as some of the others, but still has a bit of talent. And then Cassie McWilliam, uh, she's been here at least once, possibly twice before with the draft combine. So um, she's obviously been around the mark. She's had a good year with Swan District, so um, has earned her chance yet again. And on the other side of the coin, obviously there are a few players to miss out. So who are some of the unlucky ones? Yeah, so I've uh, identified three who I've sort of thought were a bit unlucky. Lily Jordan out of GWV Rebels, obviously the number one. Um, you know, pretty exciting forward. Has had a lot of good form in the last few weeks particularly. So uh, obviously if the invites came out prior to that, um, players can still get invited later on. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Charlotte Adamson's another one. Soccer convert um, out of the Suns Academy region. Um, she's shown some signs, a bit raw. I can understand why she didn't, but then again, it could well be a case of the Suns wanting to add her potentially, I don't know, with a, a rookie or equivalent of a Cat B rookie for the men's. Um, and then there's also Mel Anderson out of South Adelaide in South Australia. She's one that I know the, um, uh, I guess, the pathway talent staff really rate, and she's got a bit of uh, explosiveness about her and um, has had injuries over the journey, didn't play at all last year and has only really had... Um, this season to go off so um, she's got potential and um, but yeah those were the three that missed out Um, but as I said some get added later on so we'll see how that goes. 
definitely. Of course, we're talking about the uh, class of 2023, but there was a very important match for the class of 2024, or at least many of the potential prospects from that year. Um, we had the futures match last week, uh, which saw Team Harris 7-5-47 defeat Team Schleicher 5-9-39, of course, uh, named after the two um, AFLW stars there. So a quick recap of the game, Pete, how did it go down? Yeah, it was a pretty entertaining contest, as you'd expect from an exhibition game. Um, uh, Harris kind of kicked away in the second term, then Schleicher came back and sort of, uh, I guess, hit the front really by three points in the final break, and then Harris kicked away um, with the final two goals of the game, but the last one came in the final 30 seconds. So it was within a goal for most of the last quarter, so I don't think you could have scripted it any better, really. Um, so I, I think the better team won on the day. They were sort of the stronger team, although full credit to Team Schleicher. They really dominated the clearances, so um, it, it made for a really entertaining contest. And, of course, Sophie McKay, um, the Carlton father-daughter prospect, was named best of field for Team Harris, um, along with her, who were some of the players who stood out? Yeah, uh, look, along with her, she obviously had the 30 touches, um, she was uh, standout through the midfield, along with Ash Centra, who dominated the first half, then went forward. So um, uh, still had an influence, but uh, it was most of that first half she really got going um, and kicked a goal from 21 touches and six marks. Uh, you also had Havana Harris, who had a massive first half. She had about 13 touches in the first half, um, uh, playing through that midfield uh, ruck. And, and then she sort of only had the one in the second half. So they rotate a lot of players. There's not a great deal you can take from it, but... Um, she was another one, obviously, coming off that MVP. Uh, and then you had Lulu Field in defence. Um, Georgie Brisbane in attack was pretty good. Um, and uh, as well as Molly O'Hare, too, uh, in that back 50. So, yeah, there's a lot of players that, um, I guess, put their hand up to be a part of the AFLW Academy. Um, it's going to be a pretty tough choice. So don't envy Tarks and the staff for, for this year. It's certainly going to be no shortage in picking players. We touched on a lot of the players who... Uh, may well be in line for those honours uh, last time out on GameSense. Um, we spoke about the potential 24 in 2024. So if you want, after this episode, you can go back and listen to that. Um, but sticking on this game, Team Schleicher, they obviously had some talented prime movers running around. So who was the, I guess, best crop from that lot? Yeah, so captain of the team on the day was Zippy Fish, and she was just sensational coming off half back as you'd expect, and got further afield. And and Sarah Howley uh, won a stack of the ball, twenty six touches, five clearances, four inside fifties, and a goal. She did her usual thing. Um, Sierra Greaves, who's played a lot of forward uh, of late in the talent league, she went back into the midfield in the second half and had six clearances for the game. Was probably the best uh, inside mid, if you like, there with twenty four touches as well. They were kind of the three standouts, and then it sort of dropped from there. But Zoe Hargraves was still very impressive. Sophie Strong for Tasmania. She was the very late inclusion, and she actually found a fair bit of the ball, 15 touches, which um, won't do her chances no harm. She's pretty athletic and has some exciting traits. Um, so she's another to watch. And Sienna Tallaridi didn't win as much of the ball as some others, but in defense she was just so strong and really impressive. So plenty to like about both sides, really. There's going to be a few players from that game, obviously, filter back into the Coats Talent League where the best Victorian and Tasmanian players play their trade um, and it's finals time. So 
obviously split into two pools, a bit of a different format across the boys and girls. Um, but in the Metro pool, we've got Eastern against Northern and Oakley taking on Calder. And then on the countryside of things, it's Dandenong, Stingrays against GWV and Geelong coming up against the Devils. So um, game by game, um, starting with Eastern and Northern, Pete, who do, how do you see it playing out and, and who do you think is going to win? Yeah, look, I think Eastern are just going to be too strong. They've got the top-end talent. Um, even though she didn't have a great game on the weekend, Laura Stone returned, had some flashes and um, showed her brilliance. And she's so important in that midfield, adds that extra pace and um, just skill to go with it. And Alicia Pisano got back on the board. Like, she's kicked a goal in every game, but this was a bit better. She kicked a few, kicked three in the end. Georgia Knight was up and about, kicked four. Of course, this is referring to Eastern's big win over Oakley on the weekend to grab top spot. Uh, Northern have been pretty competitive throughout the year, but the last sort of little bit, they've maybe faded a little. Um, they, they still beat Gippsland the other week, but um, you saw on the weekend, um, without a few of their key players, they were sort of not quite able to to match it out there So um, against Sandy and really got blown away. So hopefully they can be up for the fight, and they're generally pretty competitive throughout, say, a half or so, but um, we'll see what happens. I think Eastern, though, in this game will just be a bit too strong. They've got depth both at top and and bottom age level. I'll be interested to see how Ava Jordan goes. Uh, Obviously, now she's got that draft combine invite, so she's going to be fighting for a good spot. And uh, what's realistically, if if they do lose, obviously, it's going to be a last game for this season. So, um, yeah, but I'm definitely tipping the Rangers. All right, Oakley obviously missed out, as you mentioned, on top spot, but they take on Calder for the chance to progress in the finals race. How do you see this game going? Yeah, so um, from my perspective, I think this will be the closer of the two. Um, Oakley was, look, they were probably premiership favourites a couple of weeks ago and, and before they've had a really consistent, strong season. I don't know how much you can take out of the fact that they got beaten um, by Eastern last week. They were missing... Uh, you know, quite a few players. Emma McDonald up forward, though, missing Sienna Talaridi down back. So um, a couple of the real key players um, weren't out there. So um, bring them back in. They're going to be pretty strong. Midfield, Calder's going to have the upper hand. We know we've got Kaylee Kavanagh, Amy Gaylor, um, Chloe Baker-West. Like, the list goes on. They've got a pretty strong midfield in there. So they'll take it up to them. I think Oakley probably has the depth to cover them, but the form Calder's been showing, it, it would not shock me if this was a bit of an upset. I'll go with Oakley for now, but I think it's going to be a pretty tight game. All right, over in the country pool, of course, last year's grand finalist, Standing on Stingrays, takes on GWV. Um, sure to be an interesting contest, so how do you see it panning out? Yeah, look, I think Tas- uh, I think Danny Nong is the team to beat um, from the country pool for sure. They've found their form at the right time of year. They've got depth across the board and they had a bit of a shaky start to the 2023 season, but I think they've found the right mix now. They've brought in some of the um, 07 players and they've really uh, influenced the game. Uh, They were missing their ruck division last week with uh, Ali Simmons and and Zoe Bazanko out against the Falcons and they still got the job done comfortably. So they've got a good mix of talls and smalls around the ground and midfields. So look, I I think they're going to be too good for the Rebels who... Ran away from the Pios last round, but um, aside from the likes of Jess Wrench and um, Lily Jordan, who were pretty impressive, they do have a few younger ones who, who stand out, but they just don't quite have that depth of the Stingrays. So I think the Stingrays will probably win reasonably comfortably. All right, so to round out the finals action for the weekend, of course, Geelong Falcons take on Tasmania. The Devils have got teams uh, in both finals, which is great, um, but they will be playing up in Victoria. So 
how much of a difference is that going to make in this clash particularly? Yeah, well, I guess unlike the the boys, they did finish lower. So I guess this one makes sense. Um, look, neither of these teams has set the competition alight of late. Geelong went on a massive run in mid-season and, and deserved their place where they are. Tasmania started pretty strong and they've sort of faded a little bit. Um, they've both got some top-end quality and some developing youngsters coming through. So they're probably very similar sides. I think the midfield of Geelong will probably be perhaps a bit too strong. Um, if they can contain Georgia Clark, we, she's a bit of a, uh, I guess, um, real benchmark for the Tassie team. If she can get off the chain and kick a few goals, then they generally win the game. So I think it'll come down to that. But I think Geelong will be a bit too strong, being in Victoria and just with the team they've got, though. Tassie did really take it up to Dandenong, who then went on and smashed Geelong. So... Um, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating contest. I think it'll be the closest of the country pool games. All right, there you have it. We'll now chat to Vic Metro MVP and Calder Cannons midfielder Kaylee Kavanagh. Um, we're lucky enough, obviously, to be at Calder Cannons training last week. So here's what she had to say about her rise up the rankings in 2023. Vic Metro, what was that like, getting that invitation and being able to play there? Yeah, it's actually um, a bit of a shock. I can't lie. I didn't really expect it. But um, I was really happy, like, I can't lie, I was really, really happy and just getting the chance to be able to, like, put on display everything that I've been um, training for, it was a really great opportunity and I'm, like, really thankful that I got given it. Yeah, and and then obviously, I mean, you didn't just sort of make up the numbers, you ended up getting MVP, what was that like when you got told that? Yeah, I was a bit um, zoned out after the game and then... Tarkin told me or told the team, announced it to the team and I was like, wow, this is like, it's really happening. Like, I could actually see kind of a future coming into this from football. It was a bit of a realisation, but it was also a really great acknowledgement to like all the hard work that I've put in this year in the last couple of years as well. And and also getting included in the under 23 futures too. What was that like earlier in the year, I guess? Oh yeah, that, I was a late inclusion yeah. for that, so I didn't know about the game actually at all. Um, and then I got a call from Tarkin saying, um, hey, would you like to play in this game? And I was like, oh yeah, like, what is it? He's like, it's at Marvel. And I was like, oh, of course, I'd love to. Like, that'd be, that's amazing. Oh, you get to watch the Bulldogs game after. Even better, I love all the Bulldogs players. But that was a really great opportunity, getting to play with, like, obviously girls from all across the country, really, and then getting to play against the best uh, 24 in Australia is just a very unique and thrilling opportunity that I got given. Yeah, and then obviously we'll keep going from that, the all-Australian team. So what, what was that like, too, earning that honour? Um, it was... I was really happy. Like, I actually didn't realise, because I was at school when they announced it, um, and my uh, sports teacher, um, Brent Goulet, he coaches over at North Melbourne Women's. He comes up to me, he's like, congrats. And I was like, congrats on what? I thought he was talking about school grade or something. And then he goes, all Australian. And I was like, no way. Like, it's kind of just like, I was so taken aback. It's just like, I'm really happy with like, actually, like getting the recognition that I really like, thought that I did deserve. 
That was Calder Cannons midfielder Kaylee Kavanagh speaking about her 2023 season where she ended up winning the Vic Metro MVP at the National Carnival. She was one of the inclusions in your power rankings, Pete, that dropped on Monday night. What were some of the reasons behind that? Yeah, so uh, I guess weight of numbers in the end, and I, I sort of said this to Kaylee on, on when we spoke, uh, was just the fact that her season has been undeniable uh, in terms of her consistency. She's always been a really good inside midfielder, pretty clean by hand, but it was just that outside polish and being able to really impact going forward with the ball rather than just, I guess, um, what we like to sort of say, hack kicking it and things like that. She's getting better with that, and she certainly... Um, you know, the last couple of weeks has been really influential on the outside. So I've really liked what she's been able to do. Um, so, yeah, it was a no-brainer after a national carnival came to an end. She won the MVP. She's come back to talent league level. She had 35 touches in her first game back, and she was pretty best on ground again on the weekend with 25. And um, although she didn't win the Rookie Me Central medal in the end, she I reckon if we'd had another week or two, she might have then uh, pipped the eventual winner, which we'll announce at some point, um, at the post because she's had a really consistent year. And um, yeah, so she the main reason is just consistency and improving on some of those deficiencies she had earlier in the year. So we'll touch on a few more of the movers and sliders, but obviously the power rankings were extended out to 40 names. Um, so who were some of the other inclusions on that list? Yeah, so the other top 30 player was Amy Gaylor, who... Um, look, for me, it's a no-brainer. She's a top 30 player naturally, but um, as we know and we sort of discussed before, um, there was an, a belief that she'd done her ACL, which does leave questions over where she'd end up. Thankfully for Amy and for everyone who enjoys seeing the best players out there, uh, it wasn't an ACL, so she's back out there and playing, and she's just been building up her match fitness and getting better and better. And um, I think the sort of top 20 are kind of a bit um, locked in or a bit, uh, at that next group and she's probably the closest that will come to knocking on the door of that top 20 so um, she's definitely got that talent she's got a nice burst got a good left foot um, that um, she can impact games with so uh, really good for her uh, and then if we look outside that top 30 we had to extend because it went out to 40 so there's a few names there obviously Adamson I touched on earlier I put in because I thought that Perhaps she might be a bit of a smoky um, on upside. Mel Staunton, obviously, um, she won the uh, AFLW Academy MVP but hasn't been cited since. So she's obviously been out um, missing in action for that. So hopefully she's um, uh, she's done enough uh, earlier in the year to get a call up. Uh, and then you look through, you've also got Holly Cooper from the Swans Academy. I really like what she's done on a wing for the Allies. Um, Jacinta Baldwick's uh, another consistent player who hasn't done too much wrong for Queensland. Um, if we look over to WA, Angelique Rayson's, uh, you know, an all-round utility, um, pretty strong, great contested mark. Um, she's also out injured at the moment, so um, she won't test, but she'll be around um, and certainly has uh, had a pretty strong junior career. Uh, and then in Victoria, we've got Kira Wiley, who earns her spot again, consistency, just um, really good across the board. Uh, Ava Jordan, who's that kind of dynamic, small forward, um, elite kind of footy skills and... and uh, or in terms of her footy smarts, I should say, and um, pretty neat skills and being able to hit the scoreboard. And then Gemma Ramsdale's just been in uh, you know, red-hot form of late, really shutting down key forwards and winning more of the ball of herself and um, competing really strongly against taller opponents. All right, so we've got a fresh batch of inclusions. What about some of the other movers up the order and perhaps why they made that move? Yeah, so uh, two of the main ones I think that are worth highlighting, Jess Wrench and Michaela Williamson. They're both AFLW Academy members. Wrench really impressed me on the weekend because the two knocks I've sort of had on her throughout the year is 
Um, you know, her kicking is one and her uh, accumulation, if you like, is two. Now, obviously, she's played off a half-back flank um, and then rotates into the midfield. Um, but on the weekend, she just absolutely dominated and not only dominated with 27 touches, uh, she ended up kicking three goals. And really, it, it was phenomenal considering. So um, really impressive game from her. Um, she showed a few things that... Um, obviously she's got a few more tricks in her kit bag that um, she's got when she's launching them from 50 and they're bouncing home. So um, that definitely really caught my eye. And Michaela Williamson, look, she just keeps gradually moving up the order because she just keeps getting better. And, you know, um, I, I sort of stated a knock at the start of the year that I had on her, which was mostly that kicking and sort of blazing away and whatnot. And to her credit, she's been really good because clearly she's identified that as an area of improvement and just been able to lower her kicks and um, reduce the damage or, or rate of turnover in that, um, I guess, transition has really helped. So that's why she's moved from 16 to 13. And again, on the other side of the coin, we've got a few sliders. So who are they and why? Yeah, so the three are sort of um, named as sliders, if you like, to sort of move down a few spots is... Uh, Brady O'Rourke, uh, another Pios player from 22 to 27, purely because there's been a few others who've just been more consistent and um, been able to have a bit more influence on games. So it's more they're going better and she's just kind of made her way down. She's had some great games and then some down games, so it'll be a consistency thing for her. She's definitely got the traits um, and a taller player as well, athletic. Um, Georgia Clark, she's again had some up and down games of the last sort of couple of months. Um, she only moved from 11 to 14, but um, incredible contested mark. There aren't a great deal of key forwards in this draft, and she's probably more of a tall forward at 173, but um, she's someone who I, I think will definitely offer something to a club and pretty exciting talent, but I've just sort of moved her down as others shuffle up. And um, again, Gemma Rigoni uh, could well go to Melbourne as a father-daughter selection. She's an overager, came back from an ACL, had some pretty exciting form, but did miss a month of action again. So there's sort of that just durability hanging over her. Um, hopefully she um, gets some luck and continuity in her game ahead of the finals. She's moved from 28 to 32, but she's still around the mark. She's one of the, um, I think she's the first overager in this group. So she's definitely one that I think um, will probably be looked at and certainly for her athletic traits. Speaking of being around the mark and being looked at, there's obviously um, a fair few players who are unlucky to miss out on your top 40 and who are some of the players you um, wanted to squeeze in but couldn't quite? Like with any of the boys or the girls, once you get outside a certain range, it's you're sort of just shooting darts really to try and work out where on earth um, you rank these players and it shows with an 83-player sort of, um, I guess, draft combine where there's so many teams that rate players differently. And um, look, looking at the games from the weekend, Isabel Bacon, I, I had her in the rankings and then I sort of moved her out because I had others that I put in. Like I put Ava Jordan in because Ava Jordan had run into some good form. And then I watched Bacon on the weekend and went, yeah, look, if I was doing it on Tuesday, not Monday, um, she would have been back in the top 40. So it changes so quickly. And um, look, Jess Vukic, um, in terms of ruck, again, was pretty impressive. Jacinta Hose is out at the moment, so she took over that ruck role. And, I, like, I'd like to see what she can do as a forward a bit more, like have a bit more impact as a forward. But as a ruck, she's a superb. So I think that's the only reason she's not in there. If she was um, seen as a ruck at the next level, then she'd definitely be top 30. And um, I think that's the distinguishing feature there. You've got Alyssa Brook, an athletic key defender, out of South Australia, she did get a combine invite as well. She's someone with upside. I think she'll probably go into state. 
Um, Emily Goff has just been getting better over time. She's someone who's around the mark as well. Really excited by that. And Mackenzie Ford, I was happy to see her get a draft combine invite because she doesn't do a lot wrong and um, just like her as a consistent player overall. So um, they're among the players that I sort of had on the next uh, next best, if you like. And like I said, each day it kind of changes or each week certainly you're kind of thinking of who to put in. So um, yeah, if you missed out, it's not a huge thing because there are it's a very even crop after that sort of top 20. Given you have had changes from Monday to Tuesday, we look forward to seeing how it all pans out uh, for next month with all the changes. But for now, we'll move on to the next topic of choice, which is the AFL Women's Round 1 action. But first, we'll hear from Gold Coast Suns debutante Mira Gervin as, oh, sorry, after her side's narrow loss to Carlton on the weekend. Uh, firstly, very frustrating first game up. Um, how'd you see that? Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty frustrating. Um, I think we we're saying in the rooms because we we sort of felt like we, we could have won it. Um, so coming back and getting within two points um, was was exciting, and it just yeah it was a bit disappointing at the end not to finish it off. Goal kicking was really um, an issue for you guys. I believe you had more scoring shots than than Carlton, but you were just that um, bit more inaccurate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yes, scoring shots was a bit a bit of an issue, but there were. I suppose um, things we need to work on all over the ground, so I wouldn't put it just down to that. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll sort of focus on on a, a few things this week and hopefully get a win next week. What was said in the huddle at three-quarter time? Because you guys really lifted in that last quarter. Yeah, yeah. We just sort of said um, we just need to have the belief and um, our coach sort of said, like, we're winning this and it really got us all up and about and um, I think we really believed it. And um, even the fact that they got that first goal in the fourth, <coughs> we could have... Um, really just dropped our heads but we sort of came back and kicked I think what three three in a row so yeah just belief. Yep. Um, congrats on making the debut how did you how did you find that game bit of a, a tough assignment first up on <laughs> on someone like Dallas Bessio? Yeah yeah um the, it was it was quite quite the challenge I definitely have had a lot of learnings um playing on her but I really enjoyed it um yeah I think it's, it's a good good start um yeah we, lots lots of um vision to look at and, and learn from but yeah I enjoyed it. That was round one AFLW debutante Mira Gervin of the Gold Coast Suns after her side's tight loss to the Blues. Blues are back, by the way, um, and as is the women's competition, which is great to see. So, Pete, we've got a few talking points, um, just some basic ones for you to run through. The first being the most impressive winner from the weekend. Yeah, so the most impressive winner from the weekend, um, for me anyway, was the team that I tipped to win the flag, which was Geelong. I think in terms of their uh, the team they played and what I guess many externally thought um, they would do coming into the season, I, I think their victory over Western Bulldogs by eight goals was uh, probably the best of the weekend. We knew Melbourne were going to be strong. We knew Adelaide were going to be strong. Um, so for me, I think that's probably the, the biggest winner and... Um, pretty exciting to see what they could do at the Cattery this year. What about the most disappointing loser? There are probably a couple in there who could have taken this one. Yeah, there's quite a few that um, I think it's hard to kind of... Um, I mean, you could probably decide between GWS and St Kilda, really. St Kilda were never really in the contest um, against North. They you know, conceded the first five goals and just looked a bit listless. I don't think many people expected them to win. But still, it was probably a disappointing performance for Saints fans. Arguably, the worst loss in terms of the opponent would be GWS. Um, they went down to Sydney, who previously Swans had never had a win in the club history. And, and the Giants are up by a few goals um, for probably a lot of the match, really. It certainly, um, as it got to the pointy end, and 
Um, the Swans just kept fighting and they got in front and then they managed to hold on. So full credit to them. It was a great win. And in terms of, I guess, the wins um, from a um, supporter base, it definitely would have been um, the best of the weekend. But, um, yeah, for the Giants, it's definitely one to rue because when you're on the verge of hoping to make finals, you don't want to be dropping games to teams like Sydney who, no disrespect, I don't think many are expecting to do too much this season. But based on that game, you know, you're going to have to play well to beat them. Absolutely, um, and it is good to see just quietly a good bit of rivalry in the league as well um, between those two sides, good competitive nature um, between them and um, maybe a bit of talk during the week. So um, added a bit of spice and we got um, a fitting contest for it. Um, any other takeaways in a team sense from round one, Pete? Yeah, so I mean just as a whole, um, round one, I think it's going to be a pretty competitive uh league i think the bottom end will be better um i'm the top end i mean it's hard to look past your sort of melbourne's and uh, like even geelong's if you chuck them in adelaide's north i think they're probably the teams i think they're probably the top four if we're going off round one there's still question marks over brisbane now we we had those question marks wondered what would happen with the change they're going to get better as they get used to each other but there's still that question mark there um, but yeah, I think the bottom teams are looking better. Obviously, Sydney looked better. West Coast looked better against uh, Fremantle. They were pretty good. Hawthorne looked pretty handy against Essendon at times. Port have improved. Um, you know, Gold Coast away, as we sort of spoke, um, mentioned before, you know, only just dropped to Carlton. So, um, and they're notoriously not good uh, away from home. So I think as a whole, um, the league um, has been pretty impressive this weekend. And, and Bass and Kilda, from a heavy loss perspective, I think there weren't too many that would have walked away um, completely shocked or disappointed uh, with getting blown away, really. So I think overall it was a pretty good first round. Yeah, um, and I think we've got to give Richmond their flowers as well for knocking off Brisbane, um, as you mentioned there, away from home. So they might be another top four contender sneaking up the, the ranks there. But um, we'll finish up on perhaps a few players who caught your eye the most. Obviously, we had some returning stars and some future stars who have, um, I guess, staked their claims on the big stage now. So, yeah, who caught your eye the most? Yeah, well, from Friday night, Brie Davey coming back um, for Collingwood. She was, uh, I guess a one-player wrecking ball, really. She was fantastic. Uh, took it up to Melbourne in the first half and showed how important it is to be uh, have that really big-bodied inside mid. She was great. Um, Brute Benici, of course, returned too and held her own. I think, you know, Collingwood's got a lot of question marks in their team, but certainly their inside midfield's going to be strong. They'll be better with uh, Ruby Slicer and Lauren Butler coming back. That'll be good for them. Um, so I think they're going to be one that um, probably mid-table and... Um, I think other players who impressed, look, Georgie Press uh, for Geelong obviously was outstanding in the win. Amy McDonald with her. Um, they're so strong in that midfield, Geelong, and they've got a few keys around the ground now too, which is pretty exciting. And then North Melbourne, as you know, Jazzy Garner, um, always going to be a great player and uh, everything like that. And then um, Charlie Robottom for Gold Coast was fantastic. Really like what she did. Um, so I, I think as a whole, there's plenty of players to sort of look across the board, but... And um, we had that, and um, from a youth perspective, it's worth mentioning Ella Roberts and Ali Morfitt both earned Rising Star nominations for their performances. So um, definitely uh, congratulations to them and a very exciting future for, uh, I guess, the youth and, and those watching. All right, we'll run through the round two fixture quickly and, and get your tips as well, Pete. So it all starts on Friday night with Richmond taking on Adelaide at Icon Park. 
Yeah, I'm going. I'm sticking with Adelaide in this one. I know Richmond were very good, but I just think Adelaide are going to be too strong. And I think that coming off the the win against Brisbane might be a bit of a high. So I'm going to go with the Crows. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Tigers adjust to their newfound home ground in Carlton. Um, but I will back the Tigers in this one. Next up, I'm not not the expert, by the way. Um, next up, Gold Coast taking on. The West Coast Eagles on Saturday morning, 11.05 a.m. at Heritage Bank Stadium. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting one, this one. Um, so, obviously, they're scheduling it around um, the men's finals too. So, um, look, I, I think at home we've seen how good Gold Coast are. So, I'm going to opt to go with the Suns uh, at home. I think the Eagles will um, be a lot better this year. But, uh, yeah, I think the Suns will be too strong. Yeah, good call. That's probably where I'd go as well. Um, next up in the afternoon at 1.05 p.m. is... Port Adelaide taking on the Brisbane Lions. How do you see that one panning out? Yeah, so I've gone with Brisbane for my tip, but I've got this as a major alert, like as an upset alert. Like Mm. I just have a feeling at Alberton, um, the first sort of home game, if you like, for the the power, um, up against the Lions team that, um, you know, they were pretty wounded. They showed some vulnerability last week. I think they will be too experienced, but if Port won, it would not be the biggest shock for me, I think. Yeah, I reckon that's a great shout. I'd probably back Port Adelaide there, just looking at it, but I, I tend to favour the home teams. Um, Sydney is a home team, though, that might not find as much luck because they've got Geelong coming up to North Sydney Oval at the same time. So, yeah, how, yep. how do you see that one panning out? Yeah, look, I think... Uh, look, I don't want to say they come crashing back to earth, but I think this is going to be a, a massive test for the Swans. The The Cats have the players to match um, the strength that um, the Swans had against the Giants last week. I think they're going to be a huge challenge. And look, they're going to be buzzing and up and about and confident. And we know they're going to push them for four quarters. But um, look, I just think Geelong are just going to be too strong through that midfield, really. They're, they're guns in there and they've got forward options now. Kicked a huge score in round one. So yeah, I think this will be a pretty um, big win to Geelong. Yep, agreed. Um, we do have five games on Sunday, so a bit of a, a super special there, starting with the Western Bulldogs against Hawthorne at Mars Stadium out in Ballarat. Yeah, being at Mars, I'm, I'm tempted to go the Bulldogs, but I'm actually more leaning towards Hawthorne as an upset, which is showing how great the competition is because the Bulldogs were pretty disappointing against Geelong. They didn't really have any answers. Um, where Hawthorne weren't the worst against Essendon, I think at Mars it does favour the Bulldogs a bit because they're used to those conditions. So, look, they'll probably get up by a few points. But, again, another upset alert as Hawthorne being uh, a real danger in this game. How often they play at Mars? The Bulldogs. Mm. Oh, a couple of times a year, a few times yeah. a year, yeah. All right. So. I'll, I'll take your word for it there. Um, next up, Collingwood taking on Fremantle at Vic Park. Yeah, so look, being at home, I think Collingwood were probably the better side, even though, which is a bit funny, they lost by seven goals. But I think they were probably the better side considering they came up against Melbourne, who, you know, there aren't going to be many teams that beat Melbourne. So I think they competed fair enough. Um, I, as I said, I think they're probably a mid-table team and I think Fremantle are too. So I think this is probably going to be a pretty even contest. I'll go for the home side in this scenario, but... Again, wouldn't be shocked if Freo got an upset. All right, we head to Arden Street for the next game in the afternoon between North Melbourne and Carlton. Obviously, a big winner and a pretty narrow winner from round one. Yeah, I think you know which way this is going to go. I'm going to go at Arden Street with North. I'm going to go with the home team. They're just too strong. Um, It was good for Carlton to get the wins because I think that's the difference between um, this year and last year. If you're going to try and push for finals, you've got to beat the teams like Gold Coast where I don't think there's too many that would expect them to beat North. So, um, yeah, look, I think North will be too strong. Yeah, Blues by plenty for me. Uh, We're out at Windy Hill for the next game between Essendon and St Kilda. Um, 
Yeah, so a winner and a loser from round one. Obviously, the Bombers got up over Hawthorne and St Kilda, as we mentioned, were pretty poor against North Melbourne. Yeah, no, I think Essendon will win this game. I think um, at home, uh, they've got a few options around the ground. Uh, like St Kilda aren't out of this. They're definitely... They, this would be a game that if they want to seriously be a finals contender, they have to win this match. So um, if I was St Kilda, I'd be definitely um, expecting to, to win this game. But I think Essendon... Um, well, they're in better form at the moment, and I think they're going to likely to beat St Kilda in this one. Yep, agreed. Um, last game, of course, over at Monica Oval in the evening at 5.05pm. It's the Giants taking on arguably the Premiership fancy Melbourne. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's fairly obvious the way I'm going to go with this one. Look, Melbourne, you know, unless you're one of the top two or three teams, I can't really see anyone beating Melbourne, um, and particularly uh, the Giants after last week. Look, I think they're going to be better for that loss long term, but, yeah, I, look, I don't think they're going to win this one. Melbourne probably by plenty, given they beat Collingwood by seven goals. So, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's pretty incredible how far they kicked away, given how tight the first half was, Melbourne, in, in round one. Yeah, and the extended time, um, mm. I think, helps um, put put up bigger scores. There were, I didn't see any um, complaints about the scoring this week, which is great. Mm. Um, even though generally you ignore it. But, um, look, it was great. Uh, they put on some big scores. And, like, when you're scoring 70, 80 points, some of the teams, you're like, yeah, well, that's getting up into that range. And considering they're still um, probably about 30, 35 minutes less than the men's, it's it's not too bad. They're putting it up. And it was some free-flowing action from a lot of the teams. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a lot of free-flowing in that game. But it'll probably be free-flowing one way. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I tend to agree. Um but we are looking forward to a very big weekend of action, of course, across the pathway and elite level. So be sure to check out Rookie Me Central where we'll have our regular regular previews, reviews, scouting notes and more. I'm just about done. That's all we have time for on this episode of Game Sense. Pete, thank you for joining me. Yeah, no worries. A big episode, but uh, yeah, plenty to chat about. Awesome. Make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platforms for all the latest episode and follow at Rookie Me Central on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Threads. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you tune in next time.